Episode number 310. What's next with Carrie Newhoff and Gabe Lyons? Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Salt Conference. And joining me on this week's intro segment of the show is my friend Luke McElroy, founder of Salt Conferences. Luke, what's up, buddy? Carl, I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are excellent, man. Uh, so good to to see you. Um, now, uh, today on, on the show, this week's episode of the show is going to be very unique. Uh, and, and for the next month or so, we're going to be uh, very unique in that we're going to be sharing uh, sessions, workshops, main, uh, main sessions from SALT last year, uh, and some sessions uh, that uh, you guys have in SALT University. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. Um, so we're going to share, today we're going to share a main session from SALT 2020 last year uh, with our audience today. Uh, and so we'll be hearing from Kerry Newhoff, who's the founding pastor of Connexus Church. He's an author, pastor, podcaster, speaker. Uh, you guys know who he is. Uh, and Gabe Lyons. Now, Gabe is the founder of Q. Uh, Q educates and mobilizes Christians to advance the common good in society. Uh, Luke, why don't you tell me uh, about both of these guys and kind of set us up a little bit on on these guys in, in this session of SALT 2020. It's also moderated by our friend uh, Joseph Sojourner. So tell me how this session came about and uh, some things that we're going to enjoy today. Yeah, I, I'm super excited that you guys are, are going to get a chance to he- kind of dip into this conversation because at the end of the day, when we were planning SALT 2020 last year, this conversation was like right in the thick of sort of pandemic chaos, right? I mean, yeah. we had just been disrupted as a church as to how we do things on a regular basis. And our theme last year was plot twist. This idea that you know, God was not surprised by what came. The author of any story is not surprised by a plot twist. They wrote it into the case. But the people who are are the characters or the audience. And a plot twist always exists. Make a story better. Uh, and we were asking this question of what does this make a story better look like uh, in, in terms of our theme? And we said, how in the world do we ask the question, what's next? To two of maybe the sort of most forward-thinking people asking that question to leaders all across the nation. And so we had gotten a chance to sort of rub shoulders organizationally with both Q and with Carrie's organization and uh, made some asks to say, hey, could we have you guys as some sort of guests at SALT? And uh, I'm just excited you're going to get a kind of eavesdrop into this conversation of what's next for the church. Yeah, and you mentioned this. Uh, I want people to kind of keep in mind uh, that this was recorded last year, so it was kind of middle of pandemic. Uh, so there might be some things that the guys talk about that may or may not uh, apply to their church now. Uh, but what we really want you to hear, guys, in this session uh, is both Carrie and Gabe talk about the future of the church and and maybe the trends that we're seeing. And Luke, feel free to, to talk to this uh, as well. Some of the things, you know, obviously the pandemic pushed the church way forward when it comes to digital 
online church, creating an online uh, environment, reaching people digitally, all that. Uh, so some of the uh, the things that Carrie and Gabe will talk about will absolutely still apply on the uh, on the trending of where we see the church going. You want to speak to that for a second? Yeah, I mean, I think the pandemic um, pushed the church forward about 10 years technologically in a matter of a few months. And I think what was really encouraging, and those listening probably could identify with this, is that their senior leadership finally sort of said, oh, what you guys have been trying to tell us is actually something we need to start doing. Right. And I think that comes with a whole lot of optimism and a whole lot of positives for those who are church leaders uh, today. But I also think that brings a little bit of a negative because that means now the pressure is on. Now we have to work 10 times harder. We have right. to sort of bring a lot more ideas and we're sort of invited to the leadership table. And that brings exhaustion and burnout. And I think that both yes. of those are things we've got to be careful about because we can't let um, our calling be the very thing that sort of burns us out from pursuing our calling. Yeah, you make a great point there. Um, okay, before we jump into the session, tell me a little bit about this year's event. What can we expect from SALT this year? Yeah, I mean, we're coming back in person. We kind of took a little bit of a risk and a bet early in the year to say, hey, we, we need to be back in person because I think all of us in the church are ready to sort of worship without working, take a break, take a rest, um, breathe for a second and sort of pause and one of the things that's so unique to SALT is that beyond all the hands-on training, we care about your soul and we care about your well-being as creative. And the problem is, is that in, in what I just sort of referred to in the sort of Sunday's always coming, pressure's always on, uh, it becomes a weekly grind. And so we've really kind of created our main sessions. You're going to kind of sense this in this sort of interview. You're going to kind of get to eavesdrop into is that Joseph Sojourner will be back with us this year. And a big piece to our main sessions, and he's got such a pastoral heartbeat that um, I really think that it's important to understand that our main sessions are there to help you breathe and help you get inspiration, but also help let you have an encounter with God in a way that sort of revitalizes your soul. And going to a conference is great from the standpoint of we can learn new ideas and new tips and tricks and refine our skills, but I think it's even more palpable and more powerful in our own lives when we get a chance to have an encounter with Christ and be reminded of the why behind what we do. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait for everyone who comes to SALT um, to experience that and sort of grab hold of what I'm sort of calling the enchantment of the mission that Christ has given each of us. Well, I'm really excited about this year's event. If you have not registered for SALT, this year, be sure to do so. Go to saltnashville.com. We have a uh, 1230 code that you can use to get $50 off any ticket price. That code is 1230. It's in 1230. 1230 gets 50. 1230 gets 50. That code will get you 50 bucks off any ticket price at saltnashville.com. You know, Luke, a lot of people ask us, why aren't you doing a lot of conferences? And I'm like, well, I got guys in the industry, friends that are doing such a great job at this. There's no reason why we need to uh, dive in to and compete with with friends. Uh, and so that's my answer when I when I tell people that just I'm not hiding the ball here. You guys do such a great job uh, at salt. And uh, we're, we're big fans of what you're what you're doing. I appreciate that, Carl it means the world. And we're just excited to have guys like you not only in our corner, but at SALT, help and lead and shape some of these conversations. So thank you for pouring into this community equally. 
Absolutely, man. All right, so let's jump right in uh, on in uh, and listen to Carrie and Gabe. We'll jump into that session right after this. Hey guys, I'm so excited to share that SALT Conference is back. SALT is the creative conference for the church. It will be live and in person. The dates are October 20th through the 22nd in Nashville. Come learn the latest in technology, creativity, and the church. Get new ideas, inspiration, get a chance to worship without working, get some practical training, and more. SALT 2021, October 20th through the 22nd. Learn more at saltnashville.com and use our code 1230GETS50. That's 1230GETS50 for 50 bucks off any ticket price at saltnashville.com. Well, if we're looking at the future of the church, I don't know two leaders that are better equipped to have a conversation with us about what tomorrow could possibly look like. I'm sitting here with Gabe Lyons, a founder of Q Ideas, as well as an author and communicator, as well as Carrie Newhoff, the podcast, a brand new conference that we're going to ask you about in a little bit here. But truly two pioneers that are helping leaders equip, equip, uh, helping equip leaders, I should say, as to what tomorrow could look like. And so as we dive into this last day together and saying, what could tomorrow look like now that we've been through conflict now that we've seen context now it's time for us truly to drill down and hold on to some new ideas some new opportunities for us in the future we prepare some questions some of which are for some people that emailed them so we're going to continue to keep the chat open but i'll start with this first one right here and it says what do you know now that you didn't know a year ago pre-pandemic and the implications and what impl- implications does it have on how we move forward into next season and so gabe i'll let you start uh, this conversation as to what that looks like for you yeah well joseph it's so good to be with you and carrie and to have this conversation i think a conversation about the future is something a lot of people are longing for obviously we never get to know the future but we can certainly look at these trend lines we can look at where things tend to be going and try to use wisdom to discern what is it that god wants us to do in this season and you know a few things we know now that we didn't know a year ago one that gathering in large spaces is something that's not going to be very popular for quite a long time and we don't know how long that's going to go but we know that smaller groupings are going to be better than larger groupings um we we also know and this depends on your context but uh in american life where where i live and this is my context in certain locations, you might not be able to gather more than 10 people uh, in a location. And so so when we think about the church, one of the things we know is that smaller is likely going to be better than larger. Yeah. And so then how is it that we think well about what it means to be the church when the church starts to break out into something that looks a lot different than what most of our churches have looked like, especially in American life. And so I think, uh, you know, my encouragement to church leaders and those who are watching and listening tonight as we get into this conversation is to really wipe the slate clean and try to imagine a, a new environment, a new context, a new way of looking at the basics of what Christ's call was to the church and what the church actually is. And then let's reimagine together, what might that look like as we move into a season ahead with a lot of uncertainty, definitely some fear and and maybe some real literal restrictions on how many people can be gathered into one place. You know, uh, as the SALT community is getting, obviously I'm, I'd imagine they're both familiar, but for the, there's a lot of new faces with us this year. Uh, so Gabe, when it comes to the Q ideas, this is literally what you guys tackle. This is not new. I mean, the pandemic hit us all, but you guys have been tackling future forward conversations for some time now. So for the ones who are not familiar with Q, uh, what exactly do you guys do? 
Yeah, so we launched Q in 2007, and the vision has always been to help Christian leaders have space to really ask some of the difficult, complex questions about faith in society and how does our faith apply to some of the most difficult, complex issues, questions, and structures in, in our world today, and not to back away or shy away from those conversations, but to move into them, trusting that the authority of Scripture is going to guide us, but we have such relevant things to add to the conversation. So for 14 years now, we've hosted an, an April event called Q. And at that conference, we'll have up to 40 different talks that are usually nine minutes or 18 minutes in length, but delving into some of those difficult conversations. And so we talk about everything. I mean, the range of things I know you're talking about here even this weekend, but dealing with things like racial justice and sexuality and LGBT, some difficult conversations, hard to find spaces in the church to, to listen and learn. And we want to create that space all the way to what does it mean to make disciples? How do we think about gender? How do we think about politics, education, entertainment, media, video games, all of yeah. the different things that all of us are dealing with in our families and our friendships. We believe Christians ought to be thinking well about that. We should be thinking better than anybody about that because we care about human flourishing and we want to delve into what does it mean for our faith to apply into all those areas of life? That's so, so good. Carrie, I don't know if there's a, a leader who pivoted faster during all this. I can't tell you how many church pastors as well as nonprofit organization leaders immediately said, hey, I'm holding on to Carrie through this because you immediately began saying, hey, I know a lot has hit you all this year in the plot twist of 2020, but then you immediately began helping equip. You listened so well to what was going on uh, in pastors, uh, in the circles that they were dealing with as well as the business leaders. And so as you look at, at uh, going forward now, what are some things that you've been hearing? What have you learned during this pandemic season? Well, thanks, Sojo. It's good to be with you and with Gabe. Uh, yeah, you know, one thing that really strikes out, and this sounds very impractical, but I think it's, it's fairly deep. Uh, we are a lot more fragile than I might have imagined a year ago. Uh, the culture is more fragile. The human soul is a little more fragile. Our thinking is a little more fragile and perhaps not quite as deep as it needs to be uh, for a moment like this. Um, you know, it's interesting when they, they turn to the pundits and the analyses uh, to see like, okay, who, who is able to speak into this? I'm surprised at uh, the fact that they don't ask theologians anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. to comment on what's happening. And often if religious leaders show up in the fray, it tends to be in a partisan way rather than in like, like directly partisan way, rather than no, we're here to make a comment on society. And so uh, we're a little more fragile. Um, and, and I think that creates a huge opportunity for the church. Like this is an opportunity for us to do what we do best. This is, this is a nation, this is a globe that, um, needs its soul cared for. Mm. And we have leaders who need their soul cared for. And I don't know that we're fully up to the task. I think we can get up to the task, but the shallowness of our thinking and the shallowness of our reserves for what was ahead in a true crisis. I, I, I you know, as a kid, I mean, I, I went to university for a long time just because ministry came about in a circuitous way, uh, the call did. But, you know, I kept thinking, wow, my parents, you know, they were born in the Second World War. Uh, my grandparents lived through the Depression. Uh, my parents immigrated. And like, I've had this sheltered little bubble life. 
And, um, you know, hey, hey, I have not been hit by COVID-19 personally. Um, you know, I'm coming at you in a house that's very comfortable and, and everything. But, you know, this is probably the biggest crisis that we've ever lived through or led through. And it's amazing how fragile our psyche is. And so I think that provides a great opportunity where we, we really have a spiritual problem that we're seeking economic and political solutions to. Uh, so I think this is an opportunity for the church to shine. But I hope leaders are up to the task. Well, I mean, I love what you're saying because you both are saying we, we you handle leaders in saying that we're moving into more of a swampy future of saying there is no more escape of us being able to say, let's keep ourselves clean by separating, but we are going to have to begin to step into what many would say the real world. So what would you say to the leaders who are saying, uh, I have not really engaged culture in this way before, and now I'm realizing that there's millennials, that there's Gen Z coming that are really truly saying, hey, we want to know that our pastors are familiar with what's happening in our lives beyond their church walls on a Sunday. What would you say to them? Yeah, there's been a lot of exposure, I think, of exactly what Carrie's talking about, the lack of depth to, to how we think and our understanding of, of uh, multiple perspectives. It, it is such a complex society to be in. Obviously, that's uh, multiplied because of our access to information and social media and communication. But with all that information, I think I have found a lot of pastors have because of the intimidation of the information or the complexity of the issues, they backed away from talking about certain topics because they don't feel they're expert. And, and in some ways you can see the wisdom in that. They don't want to weigh in on something that they just feel like, I don't know enough about this. I'm not an expert. But when we look at the research, I mean, we know that almost four out of five of the people in our congregations, in our churches are asking pastors. And this was two years ago asking pastors to speak to the difficult, complex societal issues, because that's where they live. That's the conversations they're having with their teenagers, with their friends at work, with their neighbors. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know how to apply faith, this gets us into a problem where our faith feels, feels really shallow. So our mission at Q has always been to help leaders think well, because we know if we're thinking through an, a well-rounded uh, understanding of a topic or a subject like race, for example, um, or politics, and what is the Christian's role in that when you get into an American like election season, how do we think well about that? Or economic uh, disparity, you know, all of these topics require a deep level of thought. And throughout the ages, Christians have always brought wisdom into those scenarios. But like Carrie says, it's, it's a sad moment that our pastors, our Christian leaders aren't being brought to the table for some of the biggest, most consequential conversations we are gonna have as a society about how do we rebuild a society? What does it mean to be a community? Yeah. How do we function together? How do we live alongside people that have completely diff different opinions and, and major differences theologically and philosophically? And as Christians, we should be the peacemakers in the middle of that conversation, but we're not in that position. So to Carrie's point, there's a resilience that's gonna to have to get built up and, and you can't build that fast, but you certainly can be intentional about that because if we as pastors or church leaders are feeling a little bit of lack in this moment, think about how much more the average person in our church feels it hmm. and, and they're uh, not understanding what to do and how to lead. So, so it's gonna be incumbent upon leaders right now to go deeper and to take seriously the leadership. That's so, so good.
Yeah, I, I would just uh, add to, to Gabe's point. I think you're totally right. And I think the key is with Gen Z and millennials, they are looking at, well, I mean, you and, and Kinman years ago wrote a book that I keep telling David is prophetic, unchristian. Um, you know, it seemed a little bit out there in 2007, very helpful, but it's just, it's like a prophecy that's, un, you know, folding before our eyes. And so if, if boomers forgive you, Gen Z and millennials will not for your paucity of thinking and for some of the attitudes that perhaps are not biblical, uh, but cultural, but we masquerade them as biblical. And um, so I would say, you know, I have the privilege of doing this leadership podcast that I've done for a few years now. And uh, I've been able to talk to some of the, the best leaders I know. And I had the privilege of interviewing Eugene Peterson uh, literally about four months before he died when his final book came out. And um, I just had a short window with him, but my goodness, it was rich. And I remember asking him what it was like in the 1960s when he started ministry. And he started talking about the race riots in Baltimore in the 1960s. I mean, talk about a 2020 moment 40 years ago. So he's talking about that. And he said, the people in his white suburban church were more concerned about what was happening in the city. And he said, you know, they were concerned about the rioting and the property damage and everything. And he said, I, as their pastor, was more concerned about what was happening in their hearts mm -hmm. than I was about what was happening to property in the city. Yep. And he said, so I thought, well, what could I do about this? And so he had been trying to gather some people together for Bible study. Nobody was coming. It was boring. And he said, if they could actually grasp the biblical narrative and they understood what was really at stake in a book like Galatians, they would see the world differently. So he started translating from the original Greek into what he called modern American, um, some Bible passages and brought them to this little Bible study. And that was the genesis for the message. Mm. And that became his life's work. And I wonder if there's a moment that's happening right now where somebody's looking at the craziness that has become our culture and our world today. And if there is a Genesis story like that, that it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to definitely pay attention to what's happening, but we're going to go deep, deep into our history, deep into our past, because we've been through this before. And I wonder if, if, if this could be the incubator for that kind of story to emerge for a new generation. Wow. We're praying that it truly does. And, and I mean, even looking at social media, seeing how many leaders have had a chance to say, Hey, any great books, it, it's crazy. How many text messages of people say, Hey, that resonated with me. Just seeing leaders saying, Hey, hey, I want to hear from you all. What should I be reading? I think it's those moments where you realize they're learners as much as they are uh, leaders. Uh, Carrie, you said something last week and I wrote it down, so I want to make sure I get it right at your virtual engagement summit. You said, right now, most pastors are using online to get people into the buildings in the future, or uh, to get people into the buildings. In the future, pastors will be using the building to get people online. Would you expound on what you meant by that? Yeah, I think we're in the midst and right down to the very practical of a massive reboot in how we do church. Crisis is an accelerator. So a lot of the trends, like think about work from home. So it was about a year ago that I released a course called the High Impact Workplace, which we no longer offer. Uh, because I said, hey, at some point in the future, people are going to want to work from home. <laughs> it sounded like prophecy. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> the world blows up and we're all working from home. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, we pulled that course and redid it. But, um, you know, crisis is an accelerator. So you think about how 
much everything has been accelerated. And for years now, you know, as Gabe said, you can look back in 2018 and see some of this stuff. For years, we've had a model that says, if you want to experience the gospel, you have got to come into the building and you got to be here in a building at like 9 a.m. or 1030 or one of our locations. And yeah, there's that online thing, but we don't take it very seriously. And I think right now, if you look at, at what's happened as the church is reopening in certain areas, it's like, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use the internet to get you to come into my building. That's a very old way of thinking. That's JC Penny versus Amazon. Mm. Amazon is kind of like, no, you don't need to come to a building. In fact, we barely have buildings. We were just getting started before the pandemic hit. Um, we're going to open all the time. And so I think in the future, what'll happen to church? Are we going to gather physically? Yes, we're going to gather physically. I completely agree with Gabe. I think we're into smaller gatherings. I think, I think that's real. I think it's deeper than just, I think it's not just a medical problem. It's a cultural issue. Issue, that there's some cultural acceleration there. There was evidence long before COVID that millennials and Gen Z preferred smaller gatherings, that they liked relationships that were knit together. We've had this mindset that, yeah, but if you're going to be in relationship, it has to be in this building. Um, and it has to be at set times. And it's like, well, no, we could gather in these chairs behind here and still be the church, but we could be connected to your church. So I think right now we're using the internet to say, hey, you get in here uh, to be part of the experience. I think the churches that prevail in the future and the ones who get there faster will do better are going to be like, no, I'm going to use the building. Like I need a place to have this conversation. So I'm in a building and maybe you have a small audience assembled or, you know, moderate size audience assembled. But you realize that the people you're reaching are online and the vast majority are going to be there. So in the future, you use your building to actually do ministry online. That's the perfect springboard for, for Gabe to ask you this question. So if that's true and we're looking forward, what do church teams or nonprofit organizations and companies need to be asking as to what's next? What's the questions teams need to be asking right now? Yeah, I think it's a great question for this conversation because everything Carrie just said, I, I totally agree with. And what I would say is churches need to be asking, how am I going to help facilitate leaders building communities that are small and robust and resilient? And also, by the way, uh, rooted in God's word and in a, in a way that allows me as a, if, if I'm a pastor to actually be pouring into my people more than I ever have. So let me give you an example. Every Tuesday morning for the last probably 16 months, um, in my office, Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., there's a group of 20 men that come together for a Bible study that I've been leading. And we literally just go through scripture. And we've been doing that consistently every week. We spend an hour in scripture. What is God teaching me through it? What is he teaching them through it? We pray together and we go about our way. Um, and it's started to build such a solidarity of community amongst these men and then thereby our wives and our children and our families and then local bonds in our community that get us working together on about 10 other things that are needed, especially during this pandemic season um, in our community that it feels like the church. I know Francis Chan wrote his book just before going to Hong Kong and very timely letters to the church where he's trying to help us better understand the New Testament church. And I'll never forget sitting in a room with him back in October, I had 25 pastors gathered. Um, and Francis, as he does prophetically, just said to these pastors, he said, look, if you don't figure out how to disciple in such a way that you could have a church that doesn't need this large gathering, yeah. um, you, maybe you have 10 years to figure that out. Maybe 2030 is when you're going to need to know how to do that. Um, but but uh, you're going to need to know how to do this. And and the look on those pastors' faces, I mean, it was one of like, 
there was a weight and a burden to it that was not very encouraging. Right. They were kind of like, ah, gosh, like that's just not what we do. Like, I hope we don't get to that place because that, that would be a very different thing. Well, months later, we're in that place. And what Francis was exposing is the lack of discipleship that's been taking place in our churches to actually prepare and equip leaders to pull together that group of 20 men or women or youth and have these deep level conversations about what does God's word say to us about this moment, about who we are as human beings, about sin, about redemption. Uh, and what, what I'm finding the opportunity for the future is how does a pastor, and this is happening in our church. I'm an elder at our church, Church of the City um, in Franklin, Tennessee. And we have a location in New York. We have uh, a few locations around this area. And part of what our mission has been in these last few months is how do we help our pastor, who in the past was was looked at as a great teacher and a visionary on a Sunday morning platform, how does that pastor now have the opportunity to pour in and disciple the leaders of our church and using zoom and using technology. Now um, he just began a process where he's, he's face to face now via zoom equipping and discipling the small group leaders of our church every week, week in, week out in scripture, teaching them. And then they're going back with their community groups and they're teaching the same thing. So we're getting back to this biblical model. That's small, that allows the pastor to truly be a father, not just a teacher and to father the people in our church for a moment that's going to require that kind of wisdom. So that's one example of where I think all of our churches should be thinking about. Some might be way further along on this, yeah. but for those who haven't thought that, I would say looking at a pastor's schedule and saying, you know, the 40 hours a week you spend in your typical way you spend it a year ago. Mm -hmm. What if you could carve out eight hours of that schedule and think about what does discipleship mean for you to be pouring into our leaders who can then trickle down and pour into the people within our church? Gentlemen, I, I wish I had hours to talk to you both because there's so many good things. I, we're, we're technically out of time, but I have to ask this one last question and you guys can keep it as brief as you could. What are the sacred cows that we have to let go of in order to embrace adaptation and innovation? If you could say in a nutshell, this is what I think the church needs to be aware of. I know it's an uncomfortable question to ask, but I feel like there's no two people that I could ask it better for. So what would you say are those, those, those things? Real quick, our buildings. Um, I, I think you will see buildingless churches um, in the future and that whole idea of a distributed church, a gathered wow. church. Um, you can gather in community. It doesn't have to be in a sacred square footage. I would say the other sacred cow is we've gone from gather and watch me to watch me. And that's really what online church is for most people. It's like, all I want you to do is really watch the message. And I think what Gabe just said is, is actually a great precursor for the future. It's wow. not about just watch this, listen to this, consume this. It's about actually discipling people in community. Wow. Gabe, any thoughts on it? Yeah, I would just add and build on what I was saying earlier, the teaching gift being the dominant gift that we really lift up in the current church scenario. I think, I think for pastors to embrace a different role that requires teaching, but it requires several other elements of discipleship and fathering. You know, Paul says that you have 10,000 teachers, but no fathers. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think that's what it's going to take to develop the conviction that's going to be necessary for the season ahead, which then gives us the courage to face some of the bigger questions and I think challenges that Christians are going to see in the years ahead. Gabe, if people wanted to stay connected to you, what are the best ways for them to do that? Yeah, they can come to qideas.org. Also, I would say we're gathering people, 300 leaders in a month, November 11th and 12th in Nashville for an event called Q&A. We've got 20 presenters from Matt Chandler and Jenny Allen and 
you know, Christine Kane to John Tyson and John Mark Homer, David Bailey, Micah Edmondson. I mean, so many coming together to talk about eight big issues that we believe for the year ahead for the church is going to be critical. So if you're part of this and your pastor, you know, might be looking for a space to delve into some of the stuff Carrie and I are talking about, check it out at qideas.org slash QA. So good. Carrie, what are the ways we can stay connected to you? Yeah, online's pretty easy. I have a leadership podcast called Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Also, kerrynewhoff.com. And if you can't spell it, which I totally understand, <laughs> uh, leadlikeneverbefore.com. That's where sort of the gateway to everything. We could not be a bigger fan of you two. Thank you for all that you are doing, not just for the SALT community, but for the, uh, for the Christian and business community at large. Gabe Lyons and Kerry Newhoff. Thank you both. Hey guys, we have seen a huge influx of new listeners and viewers to the podcast. And if that is you, welcome to the party. Thanks so much for hanging out. And we want this to be a relationship, not a one-way street. So we want to talk to you. We want to get to know you. We want to share ideas and become friends. So you can do that by joining our Making Sunday Happen Facebook group. Several thousand people are in this group already. Uh, We want you to jump in there to learn more from each other, how to enhance your worship experience. Just search Making Sunday Happen on Facebook to find and join the group. Community is where it's at. We'll see you in the group. Hey guys, when it comes to your worship slides, one of the main factors in choosing a font for your lyrics is to be consistent. I suggest using the same font and size for all the songs in your worship set. Unless you're doing a very intentional performance piece, the font, the font size, and the placement of the lyrics on screen should not change at all during your entire service. Choose one font for all your lyrics for the entire day. Also, choose a font size that is readable but doesn't overwhelm your screen. I would also keep where you place your lyrics on screen in the same exact spot for all songs and don't move them around. Consistency is the key here. Just because you have a ton of fonts on your computer doesn't mean you have to use them. Stay simple, it will pay off. Be consistent with your fonts and font size. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the show this week. Next week on the podcast, we will share another session from SALT 2020 as I welcome Kier Lindsay to the show. We're going to learn all about how to build a worship culture that lasts. So if you're a worship leader on the worship team or band at your church, this is an incredible episode for you. Kier is going to offer some great insight into building a family beyond the stage. And the principles can really apply to any volunteer team at your church, but especially the worship team. So don't miss it. It's going to be really, really good. If you like today's episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it as it will really help us get this content to more and more people around the world. We like to share this content with churches, uh, especially church plants or smaller churches that might not have the means and, and need that practical insight, practical knowledge to know how to craft, uh, plan, create, execute their worship experiences week in and week out. 
So we serve small churches, we serve church plants, we serve large churches. But if you would, like, subscribe, share, because it really does help uh, churches of all sizes, but especially church plants and and smaller churches. So help us out if you would uh, and do that for us. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com. Thank <laughs> you.